are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads get ready for, you guessed it, another pay-per-view weekend. Oh, there's a lot of them at the moment, isn't there? It's just like there's too much wrestling. We are here via our Pro Power DeLorean. No sign of a takeover. No Kyle O'Reilly. It's more a case of Bubba O'Blimey as we enter the new generation 1995 of professional wrestling. Hoopy wee, I'm Fake Jordy, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. I'm alongside Titan Shrugs, the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen, the cultaholic, the man who, for the last 91 weeks plus, has been uh, the, is, has been to my side via the proverbial tin pan string, you could say. Uh, he, I'd say he's the Ricky Morton to my Robert Gibson. I'd say it's probably a little bit more appropriate to say that he's, uh, um, he's one of the... I've forgotten the team, the Heavenly Bodies! Oh, I was doing really well! And I forgot what the Heavenly Bodies were called. Anyway, flip it up. Justin Henry I'm... off of America. I am Tom Pritchard, right? You are Dr. You are Dr. Tom, I am Gigolo Jimmy. Okay, good. You're, you're better at gyrating than I've I I've got am. the hips for Gigolo Jimmy. It's true, I will not question that. <laughs> How is the world of Justin Henry? Uh, the world of Justin Henry is doing quite well at the moment. Uh, not really a whole lot in, going on in terms of uh, excitement necessarily, but all is even with the world very even keeled. I realize how, uh, how overall horrible because of my reaction. Very, very innocently when we were chatting, we were rearranging some dates for future podcasts. 
and you said, um, well, Sundays going forward are an absolute no-go. And I'm so instinctly wired from 2020 to assume something bad has happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, what's happened? Is everything okay? You went, no, the football's back on. Oh, right, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, no, family members got COVID. I have to look after them intently now. Or, yes, oh, only on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, but only on Sundays. I don't like them that much. Let's go back to simpler times. Let's go back to 1995, where there are people in the crowd, and there was a wrestling show that we were questioning. I mean, not a whole lot has changed. It's just less people in the crowd. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> we're back in 1995. Uh, we are. Uh, where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, this is the go-home show for the 1995 Royal Rumble, the fastest-paced Royal Rumble of all time, it turns out. This episode aired on Monday, January 16, 1995. It was taped one week earlier from the summit in Houston, Texas, which we have noted before is a beautiful, beautiful venue, especially compared to what preceded this. Oh, they've been in some some absolute wrecks of buildings in the run-up to this, and it just <laughs> it's it's deeply uh, it's it's. It's sending the wrong impression because, like, 1995, we were braced for damage. And the mm. first two weeks, like, the, the presentation has been better than it's ever been. Well, you notice how some people who live in, like, crappy homes, they at least decorate their front door and their front porch. <laughs> yeah. But, like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then you walk in and you realize, oh, yeah, this place is condemned. <laughs> so you're expecting at any point the, uh, the, the entranceway to fall down. And we just see Vince McMahon shivering on a table with a tin of soup going, please don't tell people how I live. Yeah, this is really the facade. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned the rumble. The first thing I've got here from the Wrestling Observer, which is what we do every week, as well as talking about the episode of Monday Night Raw from this week. We'll also compare notes uh, made by Dave Meltzer and company in the Wrestling Observer, and Dave says, lots of news regarding the upcoming pay-per-view schedule. WWF holds the annual Royal Rumble on the 22nd of January in Tampa, with the match being cut from its traditional one hour down to 30. It's also interesting in the promotion of this event, even more than any other, Titan is trying to sell the show based more on the appearance of Pamela Anderson than in any wrestlers or even the wrestling itself. It appears there have been tons of television commercials, far more than any pay-per-view in memory, and all are focused on Pamela Anderson. First of all, uh, the chopping of the Rumble, uh, which I know we'll talk about a lot more when we watch the Rumble itself. But um, mm. what do you think is the, uh, the mindset for switching it out, for dropping 50% of the match? A complete lack of star power. You want to just shuffle these guys in and out as fast as you possibly can. Do you think they're very aware that there's, the quality is low, so it's just, let's get this done? Yeah. You just don't have the guys that can last, you know, fill in the two-minute segments unless you're just relying on Sean to make, throw a guy out, wait, throw a guy out, wait. Because, like, how many guys in this match are actually, like, could you see in a world title match? Sean, Davey Boy, Luger, Owen, maybe Backlund, maybe Bundy. That's pretty much it. And there's just not enough in terms of like the the attrition to to put on an hour's worth of wrestling at this point. No, there isn't. It's, I mean, Sean could carry the match as best he could, make it interesting just by being in there for the full hour. Minor spoiler for how it's going to go in a sense, but it's just the roster is so depleted. And the focus on Pamela Anderson, I think, probably lends into your answer for the first question as well. That that distinct lack of major players in the company would lead to mm. there being less of a push for the stars and more of, hey, here's that mm. one from Baywatch. Everybody look mm. at her. 
Plus, it is like uh, for those younger fans out there, Pamela Anderson was a major deal 25 years ago. Like it, it can't be, it can't be overstated just how culturally relevant she was. Like Baywatch is like the most most popular television program on planet Earth. Like it was syndicated in so many countries, you just wanted to watch. In fairness, women run up and down the beach. I'm trying to think who no... modern day this would be in comparison to somebody of a the, the, not the star like quality, but sort of like the the reach of a Pamela mm. Anderson. You know, and I'm thinking somebody like maybe Cardi B. I might have said Kate Upton a few years ago. Okay, that's a good shout actually. That's a very just, good but, shout. But even then, like, like she wasn't like Pam phenomena. She wasn't quite like that. That's the I thing mean, now, isn't it? That that the old phrase was. Um, everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. But nowadays, everybody is famous to 15 people. So you <laughs> you don't have, like, those... I could list off, like, four or five people on TikTok who have over a million followers. And most people I speak to will never have heard of them. Yeah, it's... There's just so much... There's just so many avenues to reach somebody now that it's... Uh, because you have more options, you know, it, the audience is spread a little bit more thin, I think. Would it be like equivalent of of a Beyonce being at the Royal Rumble? That might be a little bit closer, depending on just. I mean, it, it is different audiences and different levels of talent, obviously. But yeah, I, I I could almost go with that just based on how popular they are. If, if we're talking just quantity of people, yeah. all the people watching Beyonce or or at least partially into the artistry. Pam, with all due respect, uh, she does a lot of charity work. Not so much an artist. Okay. okay. She 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 um she was popular enough to get to get a very bad action movie in '96 called Barbed Wire. Which um I remember Barbed Wire or Boob Wire as we call it in our house because we are banter merchants if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it's um it was basically just sold because hey, Pamela Harrison's in it. Go watch it. Go watch Pam. It was it was by no means a um a, you know a Soderbergh film. In the in the preparation for the Royal Rumble, um, Shawn Michaels is back. He was back in the ring just three days ago, at South Padre Island in Texas at the Challenge tapings, mainly doing just some quick squash matches. So they're keen to get Michaels just just clean and fresh and ready to go because whoa, we're going to be leaning <laughs> on him this year. His training should just consisted on putting on putting a drink tray in his hand and slowly stacking twenty nine glasses on top of it while he's holding it. <laughs> That'd have been a good promo, actually. <laughs> It'd have been accurate. It would have been close to reality. Uh, just a few other bits from the WWF, and then we'll go around the wrestling world. Um, the house show tour coming up post Royal Rumble looks to be called In High Gear, headlined by Jeff Jarrett and Shawn Michaels. Versus Razor Ramon and Diesel. Sounds like a fun match, but it's um, I'm sure it didn't draw all that well. No, I, I, we'll see if that changes any shape. And obviously, Razor and Diesel are gonna. This is uh, a big type, big thing for them coming <coughs> up in the other half of this decade. But we've still got them here for now, so let's mm-hmm. just enjoy them while we've got. Them. Uh, Chris Candido could be on his way into the WWF, according to Meltzer. Uh, this this I never knew, and I love the idea of this. It appears Chris Candido will be doing a Mighty Mouse-type babyface short superhero gimmick 
Since Candido is deceptively strong in the weight room. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, it's funny you mention that because the, the term Mighty Mouse has been used in wrestling before. And people think it has a negative connotation. Like, like it was used for Pac or Neville. Back when he was in WWE, they said, I want to give him a Mighty Mouse gimmick. People think, oh, no, they're going to make up a superhero and put ears on him. That's not what it means. A Mighty Mouse gimmick is a small baby face who is deceptively strong. That's all it is. And he, sh- and he shows off just how strong he is by facing bigger opponents and throwing them around. That's all Mighty Mouse is. Like John Silver, the darling of BTE these days, he did a Mighty Mouse gimmick in CZW to a degree because he would hip-toss the heavyweights around and, and while screaming like, yeah, just showing how powerful he was. He's like 5'6 and weighs maybe 175, 180. But he was kind of doing that to a degree. That's all it is. It's not, it's not a negative connotation at all. And Candido could absolutely have pulled that off but they gave him something different i can uh, i can also add if we're doing a list of top mighty mouse gimmicks in wrestling write that down justin you never know um <laughs> tyler bates springs to mind there you go that's a great great shout right there that's a he's sort of mighty mouse-ish although they don't explicitly call it that on tv because you wouldn't call it that on tv no it's it, that's like a back office term that is really more than anything else and he has a mighty mustache. Oh, <laughs> ten <laughs> points. I kind of feel like from the parody side of it that they they went with something like that with Crash Holly. It's a more of a, a parody version of a Mighty Mouse gimmick, like always there with chest puffed out, sizing up bigger wrestlers. Oh yeah, he was he was um he, he didn't realize how small he was. He, of course, he he did carry the uh, scale around it because he was. He would only fight super heavyweights, and then it always backfired. Exactly. I feel like there was a, a, a parody version of that. Uh, before we get into uh, the show itself, just want to quickly see uh, what WCW is up to. Two days before this, they held a health show, a house show at the Abrams Fitness Center in Ford Hood, Texas. So everyone's playing cracking venues in 1995. Um, normally, they're doing stuff for Orlando, which I prefer immensely. Like the Disney, the Disney tapings, the soundstage. Right. Looks so good. I watched Flair versus Steamboat on that soundstage recently. It was beautiful. I'm sure it was. Uh, but let's take a look at what they were doing at the Abrams Fitness Center in Ford Hood, Texas, on uh, this on two nights, or a couple of nights before this episode of Raw. So we had Alex Wright and Bobby Eaton in the opening match. They're still pushing Alex Wright there. Um, sure. <laughs> it looked like this looks like it might have been the last night of Jean-Paul Levesque. He was in a losing effort to Johnny B. Bad over the World TV title. Well, he'd get him back eventually. Oh, and then some. I thought that's quite a nice little footnote that match. Mm-hmm. When like in, in about a year's mm-hmm. time, we will meet again. Mm-hmm. Hunter never forgets. <laughs> we had Marcus mm-hmm. Alexander Bagwell and the Patriots, aka Stars and Stripes, beating Paul mm-hmm. Orndorff and Paul Roma. Pretty wonderful. Which is a great tag team name for like a, a combo of gimmicks. It is. I, I like, I like a good mm-hmm. crossover like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good fun. Uh, Jim Duggan beating Stephen Regal. So Duggan's uh, being very Duggan in WCW at this point. Mm. What's wrong with that? Nothing, darling. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> the, the Nasty Boys defended their world tag titles against Harlem Heat as a result of a DQ. Oh, sorry. They, they were challenging Harlem Heat. And they lost, or they won via DQ, so they didn't win the belts. So, Harlem Heat Nasty Boys had a, a deceptively fun story in the 90s. 
Well, it's four hard-hitting heavyweights, and in fact, we just watched uh, Fall Brawl 96 the other night as part of our watch-along series, and they faced off on that show as well, and it was a pretty enjoyable match. So, of course, it was Booker taking most of the – well, I can't say he took most of the bumps because knobs and sags were – for two guys who were 270, 280 pounds, they flew around a lot. Knobs and sags were far from lazy. They took some great bumps in their career. Oh, they, they yeah, I think they they get branded quite a bit as just sort of as as, as lazy Hogan friends, but there is a bit more to them than that. Here, here's here's some homework for everyone listening out there. Go on the network, find Halloween Havoc 1990, watch the Nasty Boys versus the Steiner Brothers, and get back. Tell me what you think of that match. Okay, there you go some homework for you there. Mm. Nice. Uh, and in the main event, Sting beat Avalanche by DQ. <laughs> Sounds like an okay house show, actually. It's not too bad, is it? That's not too bad. Uh, kick, bringing us kicking and screaming back to 2020. I don't know whether you're a Smash Brothers fan, Justin. Uh, pl- you mean Evil Uno and Stu Grayson? I'm, uh, <laughs> sadly not. <laughs> but <clears throat> nice callback. Oh. I mean, the, the video game Super Smash Brothers. I was never really into the Nintendo after a certain year, so uh, I can't say I was. Fair enough. They just announced Minecraft Steve for Smash Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> which is the weirdest thing of 2020 so far, which is fun. Um, that's not part of the podcast. I just spotted it, and it made me smile. Okay. So with that in mind, that brings us uh, crashing up to date with 1995. This is where we hand the baton of podcasting to Justin Henry, and he will walk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Featuring William Shatner again. <laughs> Which reminds me, Tom, you might as well hop into the uh, DeLorean again because we're going back to 1968 now. <laughs> we certainly <clears throat> flipping are, aren't we? Wow. Yes, we're going back to a time when uh, William Shatner was um, was Mr. Star Trek on TV. He was in Captain James Kirk. We have a sci-fi themed intro, which I think is actually more Star Wars than Star Trek, is it not? Um, I think it's a bit Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, with the scrolling text going going through the night sky. I think Vince just remembered it was a sci-fi film and just assumed it was that. I, I, I doubt even Vince knew that. He just told him, like, it's, it's sci-fi. Perfect, here's a pal. <laughs> so we're hyping up the fact that Shatner's going to be in Brett's corner tonight when he faces Jeff Jarrett. He's going to go where he's going to boldly go where no man has gone before, which is BS because Brett's had managed before, including Jimmy Hart. <laughs> so this is um, I don't know. I just wanted to squeeze in as much um, Shatnerism as possible, and uh, already I'm, I'm I'm getting nauseous. We certainly have um, quite the showcase of William Shatner this week, which we'll talk about oh, we as certainly- we go through it. We certainly do. But first, speaking of 1960s technology, holy green screen. Oh, is, we, it, is it the greenest of green screens? As we have Sean and Vince in front of a static crowd shot, basically getting ready to play some one of those Whose Line Is It Anyway games where they, where they have to um, act like they, where they can't see what's behind them, but they have to, like based on clues, figure out what it is. <laughs> it's it's excellent uh, green screen acting and there's an art to it there's a true art to it <laughs> well no there isn't <laughs> there is I'm giving no them too much credit aren't I you, you, you most certainly are this is this, 
cutting edge technology here. It reminds me of uh, this. Whole bit reminds me of you know from whose line is it anyway? Mm-hmm. They do the green screen round. Yes, where you'll have like Ryan Styles sort of from a green screen, and and the 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 two other contestants will be describe asking him questions based on where he is, and he'll be answering, mm. trying to figure out where he is all along. I feel like it's right. a bit like that. Put me in mind of that. Maybe want to watch whose line is it anyway? Wasn't that what I just said? <laughs> I Was just it? described that game. I just described that game. Oh, I thought you described something different. Well, this is how bad ninety five. Ninety five already jaded me. I saw Minecraft Steve, and it took me away. It took me off my game. <laughs> That's how bad this show is. Time I stopped listening to each other at a certain point. Oh. Hey, I tell you, all jokes aside, though, I tell you what it's like. You know whose lines it anyway? I'm like, oh, what other game is Tom going to describe? <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> scenes from a hat. It's like scenes from a hat. <laughs> it's, eh, continue. You're me. You got a point. <laughs> I still think there's an art to it. I stand by it. I stand by it. <laughs> it's so it reminds do you know what it reminds me of Justin? It reminds me of standing up, sitting down and kneeling. Well yes, good. So we so you have two guys standing so they both lost. <laughs> and then we all lost, mate, because it's ninety ninety five. Who lost? America lost. <laughs> Where did America lose hardest? Uh, last night. So the night before last in the debate or here. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this show had a... Well, we'll see when we get to it. <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much ahead of time, but so let's, let's just crack on with this one here. Let's move through, man. The, the Heavenly Bodies get the currently in the ring treatment, which is never a good sign. I mean, Sean, they had music, and they still had cornet with them, so it's it's not all lost. I suppose not. Sean, meanwhile, compares the upcoming Brett Jarrett match to the Cowboys 49ers NFC Championship game, which is um very ambitious uh <clears throat> very ambitious comparison there. I was gonna ask you to explain this one to me. I think he was just saying because it's like a, a big matchup because that was like that was like the two NFL powerhouses at the time facing off in an important playoff game. He's trying to jazz up Brett Jarrett by saying it's it's very similar. Well, okay, Brett's a top guy, but Jarrett's more like the uh, see who who was mediocre ninety four. I guess the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> it's the uh, the fake it till you make it ethos, which I believe we're going to see a lot of in 1995, where you're just going to tell people these are the top stars until they start believing it. Mm, pretty much, yes. So we start off with the Heavenly Bodies versus the One Two Three Kid and Bob Holly, or the Cinderella team, as Vince calls them, which is a uh, are you familiar with that term in sports, there, Tom? Uh, the Cinder- yeah, this is the these are the guys. See, it's always been a weird phrase. The Cinderella team. It's the high the idea that they through through it all through tribula- trials and tribulations, they're the ones that are making mm. it to the end. They're going to the ball, as it were. Mm. And uh, mm. Holly and it just, it seems weird to associate Bob Holly and One Two Three Kid with Cinderella. Hmm. Um. I can see Bob Holly smashing somebody in the face with a glass slipper. <laughs> yeah. I can't see Bob Holly running away from a party, nor dressing up and, and riding in a pumpkin to a party. Well, he can... What if it was like a NASCAR pumpkin? If only we knew what that looked like. John. If only there was someone that could John. bring that to life for us! <gasps> Ian! John Aloysius Eiley. Ian! I found someone Ian? cheaper than John. Ian! Oh. 
<laughs> Ian's the Aldi John. Ian! <laughs> what? Like, we, we, we're, having, we're having to cut back in the office, so we've swapped John out for Ian. Ian! Is his last name, name Pib? It, <laughs> it's, his last name is Titan, which is what, what they call Mars bars in Aldi. Um, ah. Now, we'll, um, we'll, we'll stretch for the original. Because it, it tastes better and it's less filling. John! <laughs> uh, NASCAR pumpkin. Thank you. <laughs> With Bob driving, any era Bob could be could be blonde, dye job, mirror hair Bob. All of hair. them at the same time, in the same pumpkin. Yes, all all the Bob Hollies. All the Bob Hollies. And a dragon! Yeah, I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Somehow I knew that was coming. I never knew why, but I knew it was coming. It reminds me of that sketch from Whose Lines It Anyway. <laughs> so, is it the sketch where the heavenly bodies attack the baby faces before the bell? No, it's the one where the heavenly bodies attack the baby faces before the bell. <laughs> I, I see. Yeah, I see where this show's going. Hey, I see where this show's going. <laughs> so, so we learned that. So we learned over the weekend, Kid and Holly won the tournament final, and Tom is so lucky that Justin got him this job. <laughs> Very lucky. Always lucky. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> anyway, so it's Kid and Holly going to the finals to face the Tonga and Bigelow. So this is just kind of like a tune-up match against a team they've already beaten, which, all right, whatever. <clears throat> so at, at one point, someone hit the super kick. I, I don't know who it was. I, I'm going to assume it was Kid. Yeah, it was Kid. And Sean... And Sean says, a little chin music, as he works the name in. Ah, I didn't spot that. I didn't spot that. That's cool. <laughs> Already he's trying to uh, make that a thing. But in this case, Sean does make fetch happen. He really does. Sean, at this point, shouts in his inner uh, Jimmy the Greek and tells us to believe the point spread of the Super Bowl. He ended up being right. For those of you who <clears throat> weren't around in 95... Super Bowl 29 was coming up. The San Francisco 49ers versus the lowly San Diego Chargers, who were a Cinderella team in their own right. And it was the, and it is to this day, the largest point spread in Super Bowl history, as the 49ers were favored by 18 and a half points. Jeez. They had no faith in the Chargers. None whatsoever. Just like this, this is like prime taker versus someone challenging a streak at like WrestleMania 21 or 22. Like, you knew who was going to win. And sure enough, they won by 23 points. So, if, if you've been on the charge to, to, to a cover of that um, astronomical spread, you failed. Anyway, back to this match here. This Sunday on Action Zone before the Royal Rumble, Tatanka's, we learned that Bob Holly will face Tatanka in a match that I found out was, was, was taped on December 13th. What? Yes. Jeez, they're still plumbing stuff from 94. Jeez. Dude, Superstars and Challenge Champions go so far ahead. Like, like I had I had the 95 results page up right now. These Superstars tapings that aired after this, or, 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 or take the day after this taping here, the last episode for that air is February 11th. Jeez. So, I can only imagine... The stress you have to be under, like there's a storyboard like months ahead in this company at this point. It, I mean, a lot of it is. Would you? Would you have known? I guess you would have known 
that that was going to be the final. I guess if it was, if it's connected to the tag tournament, mm-hmm. then at least you probably have an idea early on in the down the road who was winning it. So I imagine mm-hmm. they must have had they must have earmarked Bob and one two three kid for quite some time. I'm sure they already knew who was going to win the tournament. You know how it was going to go and all that. They probably had that plan well in advance. But I'm just I'm just saying in terms of just knowing this is what we're doing seven weeks from now. And this is what we're doing eight weeks from now. And you have it all planned out. That's just, that's a lot of planning. It's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. I mean, it's it's no different to something like what Impact Wrestling does now. In the sense that... But the only difference being is that they're taping it like show after show after show after show. And they're not like jumping around the timeline. Or oh, we'll do one match there. We'll do one match in three weeks' time. We'll do another match the week before. And all that stuff. And not only that, but they're taping three shows. Raw, Superstars, and Challenge, which Challenge it will exist until August. But but it's it's weird because Superstars, when you're taping it, the first show you're taping is not going to air for at least two weeks. Challenge, same thing. So, so they're kind of synchronized. Raw, you have to make fit based on a live show and the following week's show. So you're taping stuff in a sense out of order in order to squeeze it all in together so that it fits. Headache-inducing stuff. Headache-inducing. I'm I'm starting to see why there's so many drug problems in this company at one time. (laughs) How do you feel about uh, Bob Holly and 123Kid in the finals? I mean, they're a fine team, two great wrestlers. It's, uh, they want to sell the Cinderella aspect of it, which is fine. Um... It's probably going to guarantee it's a good match at the Rumble. It's, it's them versus Bigelow versus Tatanka. As long as uh, everyone's on their A game, that should be a really good match, you'd think, right? Yeah, you'd hope so. Speaking of Bigelow Tatanka, they come out of the entranceway to watch uh, this match go down because they're scouting Kid and Holly. And out of nowhere, for no reason whatsoever, now keep in mind, it's just, it's just DiBiase, Bigelow, and Tatanka watching from the entranceway. That's all it is, right? Mm-hmm. Vince accuses DiBiase and Cornette of being in cahoots. Mm. It's like, what? They're watching a match. It's There's nothing cahooty about it. They are, as you say, watching a match. What kind of Joseph McCarthy bullshit is this? (laughs) (laughs) It's like whenever Bob... It was like the old primetime wrestling when Bobby Heenan couldn't do anything without Gorilla Monsoon like turning into like a heel act. Like Bobby and says, "Oh, like, like oh, I had, I had turkey for dinner yesterday." Monsoon says, "You probably stole it from the supermarket, huh?" Like, <laughs> they can't do anything that's like the least bit innocent or uh, whatever. What I had the face comedy you're trying to turn into in somehow like an act of treachery. It's just so, it's so weird that mindset. A strange way of twisting it. Yeah, it's just like, 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 oh, maybe the fans will respect these guys for having the diligence and discipline to uh, scout their opponents. Oh, they're playing good somehow. Don't, you know, don't look at anything more into than that. <laughs> so <laughs> we get a spot here. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like, he even inhales and exhales evilly. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell by his asthma that he is clearly a wrong'un. 
probably deals drugs. <laughs> you can tell by the way I draw my breath, I'm about to hear. No time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a really awesome spot here because this match, this match gets really good at the end. The Heavenly Bodies are going for a double clothesline, I believe. So Bob Holly gets sent into the ropes. On the rebound, he jumps up and lands on their arms, like like on their wrists and their hands. And in doing so, he draws them together so that they bonk their heads. That was awesome. <laughs> That's a great bit. The Heavenly Bodies were the revival of their day. They never get enough of the love. And it's a shame that they, they, they did some good stuff in WWF at this point. I feel like you could have really built them as this veteran tag team of the division. Oh, yeah. They were definitely the missing link between like the Midnight Express and the, and the revival in terms of that mindset. I feel like you could have put the belts on them in this tournament and, and had them as just like this old grizzled tag team who's like, we'll take on everybody. Well, I don't know if you've come across this in your uh, observer readings of this period, but um, Del Rey's not really going to be long for this company. That's kind of obvious why. Yeah, I have heard that. So, um, yeah, that's not a good thing. And uh, shame to screw Pritchard over a bit, although he would get a belt later on, just not in an expected way. So anyway, kid gets the hot tag. He goes wild. It's one, it's one two, three kid in 1995 offense where it's kicks for everyone. Spin kicks, drop kicks, everything you can imagine under the sun. And then we go right to the finish and what is a criminally abbreviated match. As um, the bodies try to double suplex uh, Kid, Holly spears Pritchard while Kid is up in the air. So Kid drops down, gets double with a fisherman suplex, and wins. Very much came out of nowhere. I feel like this match could have gone a little bit more. I like the whole story that they told, which was, you know, they're fighting from underneath. I like that, but mm-hmm. they could have gone a bit further. Yeah, definitely. You know, a few more minutes of the match, you know, get us to love Kid and Holly even more. But as a nice little sub five minute taste of what they could do, that was an excellent match. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm ready for Sunday. I like the like they've 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 pitched up Bob and one two three Kid as a as a cracking team. But the idea is they're small, whereas Bigelow and Tatanka are both bulky powerhouses, so they're definitely the underdogs in this match. It was a great bit when, um, after the bell sounded, you had Bam Bam Bigelow just sort of give a big push to the midair, like, oh, we'll have them on Sunday. It was very dismissive, <laughs> like, body language from them. I ain't going up to that move. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it done in three. <laughs> so we go to the back, very impact-ish for this tape show to Bret Hart and William Shatner as Vince's voice completely changes. Now he's apparently being routed to like a 56 K modem all of a sudden. (laughs) Shatner assures us that Bret has no ring rust. How would he know this? They're very confident that Bret's going to be just fine, aren't they? Oh, they're very confident. But like the Shatner even know who the hell Bret the Hitman Hart is like before he got there that day. I realize they're both Canadian, they're both Canadian legends and all. I don't think, uh, I don't think he was massively aware, and I genuinely think that Shatner thought he was the star. Just and by Shatner the way that, right. that he would be, I mean, yeah, <laughs> judging by the way, like, as you know, talk about their chemistry, like, he kept cutting Brett off. If only they brought in Piper to play Scotty. <laughs> 
That would have been fine. <laughs> or a young, or a young Drew McIntyre. Oh, a very young. You think he's in what five? <laughs> Ten, maybe. Give a claymore to the Klingons. <laughs> yeah, but Shatner yeah, just Shatner was just power. <laughs> John. <laughs> Drewy. <laughs> Baby Drewy. Claymore and a Klingon. <laughs> Baby Drewy, Claymore and a Klingon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, shame it's not Star Wars could have been Drew Baca. Hey! He's back with a Scottish accent. Oh, I got fired a while ago. <laughs> Kenny, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to Kenny and Jen. <laughs> nah, Jen deserves it. <laughs> That's not true. I'll fight her. <laughs> Are we back to, I thought we never really went anywhere with me calling out Jen. I'll fight her. <laughs> That's because no one believes either of you two whoever have an ounce of conflict in you. I, I feel like that Jen and I would have an excellent back and forth wrestling, cinematic wrestling match. I feel like that when we can unsocially distance, I feel like Jen and I should film a cinematic wrestling match. <laughs> As I think it'd be the politest thing you've ever seen. We'd, we'd scuffle through the bar and then one of us would hold the door open for the other. And we'd go, you go first. No, you go first. I insist. No, I insist you go first. This would be, be the dullest thing ever. <laughs> it would be dull and fantastic all at the same time. I mean, I cherish the two of you, but goddamn, I would not want to watch that. No, well, that's it. It would be too good. Yes, it's too pure. It would break like the star soup. rating. Purer than Ivory Soup, because that's only 99, 44, 100% pure. <laughs> anyway, so Shatter says he, that he's watching Brett's back, but no one needs to watch my back. Is he putting himself over Brett? I think he yes, is. he is. He so this is what I mean when I say like he thinks he's the biggest star here. He's talking all over well, yes. Brett, and then he yeah I know, but in this universe it's not the case. In this universe, he's, he should be using that star power to to go. Hey, here's the guy here, but he's not. Was, he's just like hi everybody. So was Brett? Listen, was Brett on Boston Legal? No. No, he was doing Lonesome Dove. Badly. <laughs> it doesn't matter how he did it, he did it. <laughs> if we go, oh, are you judging on what things badly they did? Let's talk about Tech War some more, shall we? Let's talk about Tech War. Fair point. Let's talk about that garbage. Sorry, so Shattens. Between, between Tech War, Lonesome Dove, and Baywatch, 95 was not a good year for TV. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No wonder everybody started doing LSD. <laughs> but then we get Baywatch Nights later in the year. You know about that, right? Yeah, but we didn't get Lonesome Dove Nights, and I was sad. Well, who cares? Baywatch Nights had Lou Rawls. <laughs> Which, his surname always sounds like the acronym for Rolling on the Floor Laughing. <laughs> Lou Rawls. I, I will maintain that Baywatch Nights had the best TV theme song ever. At least, at least top five. We used the, um, not the Baywatch Nights one. I'm intrigued to hear that now. But we used the out-credit music for Baywatch in a, in, a, in a Zoom quiz the other week. because we Was it a... you got to reach out, take hold of my hand? That's the one. That's the one. Because we did a whole round where we played the end credit music of different shows. Mm -hmm. And people had to guess what the show was based on the end credits music as opposed to the title mm -hmm. music. I believe the song for Baywatch Nights is called After the Sun Goes Down. 
But it's a great theme, and it's half at his finest. Tremendous. Half who's still on the Berlin Wall singing Looking for Freedom, and that's what made the wall come down. That's what happened. After the wall comes down. (laughs) (laughs) I will run into the night. (laughs) Anyway, back to Shatner, who's a better singer than Hasselhoff, if if you've ever heard Rocket Man. Oh, Um, damn right. And I'm an Elton John fan, and I was told as an Elton John fan I should never listen to um, the Rocketman version by our boy today, by Captain Kirk. And I was like, I want to hear it, and I heard it. Love it! (laughs) It's like weird poetry. Well, yeah, it's uh, the (laughs) that's one way to put it. There's there's that, and there's also the um, there's also Mr. Tambourine Man, which is at least slightly more coherent than Bob Dylan's version. But you know what I love? You know what I love about Mr. Tambourine Man and what I love about Rocket Man is not the fact it. that Shatner did it, but the fact that multiple people told Shatner it was a good idea to do it. <laughs> hey, he made it his own. He, he certainly did. Like, you, you will not, dis- you, you won't get his and Elton John's version of Rocket Man mixed up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh. <laughs> Shatner's 2004 album I, I, I can't remember what, what the hell it was called where he, where he did like duets with, with some with some people in, in his Shatner style I'm looking at a William Shatner album list now seeking, 2004 William Shatner Seeking Major Tom the front, really? The front, there's one from called William Shatner Seeking Major Tom that can't be it it, it features a front cover of, of Shatner photoshopped as an astronaut they should have got john to do it he'd have done a much better job uh, <laughs> that's the front cover and he does oh my god he does bohemian rhapsody well look yes. at william shatner seeking major tom as well because that's where you'll find they finally put a bow on this segment no shatner let's put Rod- let's let's do an album review of william shatner <laughs> he tells roadie to stay out of he and brett's way and calls roadie roadkill which must be where Heyman got the idea to name an Amish guy that. Is this? But Tom, after all that, great opening tag match, a surreal Shatner moment, green screen mayhem, all of that was but a mere prelude to this next match. <laughs> the moment that Caldaholic fans have been coveting. For our patron saint has arrived. The man for whom the man who once received a a career retrospective on Caldaholic and deservedly so, the man simply known as Mantar. Mantar! (laughs) Half mandolin, half guitar. (laughs) That'd have been a far better gimmick! He's half musical (laughs) instrument. <laughs> so Mantor in the house. Do you want to hear some facts about Mantor? Not that you nothing that you, there's nothing you don't already know since we did a I retrospective sure on him. Well, I sure don't. But, uh... <laughs> uh, Mark Halleck. Meet Mike Halleck. Start again. Meet Mike Halleck, who debuted 
long before the idea of Mantar was shut out, in wrestling back in 1991, under the far more palatable name of Bruiser Mastino. He spent three years in Catch Wrestling Association based in Germany, or Deutschland, if you live in Deutschland. During the time there, he legitimately pinned guys like Ulf Hermann, who was a German legend, Dave Taylor, <laughs> Fit Finley, William Regal, and Lance Storm. That's quite a resume. It is a hell of a resume. Uh, he's done a few house shows for the WWF. Uh, last summer, he had a couple of matches with Nikolai Volkov, which I'm sure were bangers. He. Oh, man. Did, oh, I, I wish I could have seen these. That was a house show match. Like, that was like, I presume that was the match where you all went to buy more food. <laughs> Well, yeah, because you see two 300-pound heavyweights, and you think, I need more food. And not just normal like heavyweights, just like doughy heavyweights at this point. Well, Nikol- I mean, Nikolai's a legend, at least. He is. He's also a doughy heavyweight. Um, Good point. Uh, he debuted, Mantar debuted on WWF Superstars, complete with Bull's Head. However, the decision by this point was made by higher-ups to drop said Bull's Head following the debut. There were many backstage who believed... That the entire Mantor thing, complete with Jim Cordette as manager, was a rib. Probably was. It was a way of just getting, just, just sticking it to Jim Cornette just for fun. I remember my notes. Corny's with him, not by choice. <laughs> he didn't want to do it, did he, Jim? Mm-hmm. Cordette wanted to be with his motherfucking guy with a bull's head <laughs> for 400 pounds sack of shit. I, I don't want to manage this guy. No, they say, but. But being a professional I am, they <laughs> sent me out there with them. I did what I could. I'm cheering for a guy who's kickstarting and snorting and doing all this bullshit. <laughs> and, and, go, and go figure, his opponent wins more belts at WrestleMania than he does. And he's an enhancement talent. <laughs> this motherfucking guy with horns on his head and a bodysuit makes him look like a chunky gladiator. Aww. So, yes, it's... It's Mantar versus Jason Arndt. This is Mantar versus Jason Arndt, a.k.a. Joey Abs of the Mean Street Posse fame. Well, fame. That's one way to put it. And the first man to take a stunner. That is true. Mm-hmm. So this man was Mantar's first raw opponent. First man to take a stunner. Once beat Austin in a handicap match by pinning him in 96. Look it up. He did. And was, and was part of the Mean Street Posse. This man has had, like, the most bizarre Forrest Gump career you can imagine in wrestling. Amazing! It's a, it's an incredible time that he has had on the on the yeah. wrestling planet. So Mantar moves a lot. <laughs> we like a good mooing wrestler. I feel like we need a vignette to flesh his character out a little bit. Yeah, it's like you think that you had um, Hakushi debut after weeks of like short videos and things like that. Nothing major, but at least a little bit of build. Whereas all we got was, up next, it's Mantor. And then a picture of Mantor looking slightly off to the side. That's the only introduction we've had to Mantor on Monday Night Raw. It's PN Moose. <laughs> <laughs> Better gimmick. <laughs> it's the rapping cow. <laughs> so, we, so we learned that Mantor has entered the Rumble. Good for us. We get to, wait, we get to watch him on our watch along next week. He plows abs into the corner. And again, because you see, he's a he's a glorified farm animal. He plows into things while mooing. Belly to belly suplex. 
this goes on for a bit. Sean says even if he had number one, he could still go all the way. Because Sean's more interested in putting himself over than this match. Yeah, I can't blame him. Interesting little uh, little tidbit there. Don't ruin, don't spoil it. More plowing ensues, followed by an arbitrary standing splash to end it. And I, I like saying arbitrary standing splash because it's an acronym for ass. <laughs> I see what you did there. It was a very ass splash, wasn't it? It was an ass splash. And, uh, dun, dun. And I got to say, just watching this match, Mantar had a little bit of potential, but there was still a little flash behind any of it. It's, it's like just... he was told. I can imagine he was told backstage, like, go out there and you can't move enough. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to get the point across that you're a half man, half beast. That you're a... That, that you're part bovine on your father's side or something. I, I don't know. Which, I don't know how that would work genetically. I don't want to think about it. But it's... Like... I think of like Minotaur, like Antonio Nogueira from UFC, who at least doesn't act the gimmick, but is just he's half man, but he's also half beast, and he's half beast when he knocks someone the hell out. You don't have to necessarily act out the uh, you know the, the bovine instincts of it, but this company, of course, you know broad humor and broad strokes and all that, and Minotaur is what we got. Yeah. We go to the Royal Rumble report. Todd has his weird cheetah print necktie on. Maybe like Chester Cheetah. I don't know. He looks quite bulky today, do you not think? Maybe he's Mantar, actually. I wonder whether he might be. Mm. Well, no, he's uh, he's just here to be our usual nuisance. Although, I gotta say, he wasn't bad in this segment, but we got a really weird moment here. Where we feel the need to use the Roma Report to hype up an upcoming match on this show. By having Todd throw it to Jeff Jarrett, who's in this arbitrary hallway. Jarrett calls Todd Eddie Munster. And he throws it back to Todd. All right, then. That Random. Was... Yeah, it's... Is it that whole thing of where they're just trying to keep people interested in new and weird and wonderful ways? And it's that whole thing of they are desperate to make the show appear live. So I guess by having even like a little bit where they got somebody like on standby, it gives that vibe that it's very live. That's probably the best way to describe it. We're just trying so hard to make it feel like it's uh, anything but warmed over leftovers. That's what they're trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it, it doesn't do anything. It's just Jeff Jarrett calling Todd Eddie Munster and throwing it back to him. That's not the most exciting thing in the world. So back to Todd. He says on, on pay-per-view, WWF is the originator, not the imitator. Oh, somebody saw the buy rate for Bash of the Beach and Halloween Havoc and wasn't happy. <laughs> I thought that might have been a little elbow to the ribs of uh, what took place at the, uh, the Bash. Or just any any show where WWE is um, starting to move ahead of WWF a little bit. Ah, Hogan moves numbers. See, see what you will about him. Mm-hmm. So we keep hitting the Pamela Anderson plug here because she's the biggest. This is the second street week where they have not named any of the, any of the Rumble entrants. It's just, hey, Pam's going to be there to escort the winner to WrestleMania. They're now – they have stopped advertising the participants in the hopes that you will buy the show, 
because they can't say, hey, Stephen Dunn's going to be in it. Man's heart's going to be in it. <laughs> it so says so much hell. about the lack of star power, where all the focus, where like the focus has been on the 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 person who will be there to be the prize for the winner essentially um you win their arm for an evening and and also the fact they've shortened the match as well like that says everything about where they sit like star power wise right now i think you and matthew need to have a drinking game during the match where you um every time every time someone lasts less than one minute you 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 take a gulp oh mate we are getting smashed next week uh yeah it (laughs) It goes to absurd levels. Let's just put it that way. So, Todd has the balls to say that the, the Taker versus IRS could be bigger than WrestleMania. <laughs> he said this, and he didn't Possibly even blink. I thought he might have blinked for help. And you wonder why he had a job for five years. It's for this reason. So, Bearer and Taker then cut a promo in front in front of the Rumble Beach backdrop, which talk about a clash. Usually when Taker cut, had a promo, it would be in front of his um, purple and black tin and Undertaker backdrop just to create the ambiance and the mood. Now he's a clam digger. <laughs> this is a funny phrase. Poor Taker. He's, they gave him so much crap to work with. He was just that guy they could just put in places and he would... Like, help lift somebody up in theory. Well, I mean, he was covered in Teflon because he always came out of it as the Undertaker, no matter what. But yeah. it's just the stuff. The stuff he was put in was just usually so bad. It wasn't his fault. So we have Kid and Holly versus Bigelow Tatanka, tag title tournament final. Diesel versus Brett for the world title. Razor Jarrett, IC title. In theory, this is not a bad-looking show. No, it's not. And that's the thing. Like, we, so far, 95 hasn't been too nasty to us. It's January. It's it's true. But I was <laughs> I was so ready for it just to be crap from the off. And we're two weeks in, and I, and I feel all right. And I feel all right. I'm sure, well, brace I feel, yourself. sure I feel different after the Rumble. Jarrett takes exception to a question of Todd thinking that perhaps his Rumble title match could be at risk, but... By facing Brett here. And, uh, Jarrett, of course not, because I'm the greatest, the greatest entertainer. Ha ha ha, I'm Jeff Jarrett. And so as Jarrett and Rhodey walk off, we hear Todd still talking. And Todd talks about how he's going to bet on Brett. And then he turns and takes exception to that. I guess, I'm curious I guess as to that, how they can hear what Todd's saying. I don't know, maybe it's like uh, when Randy Newman narrates your life, Family Guy. <laughs> Now Jared's gonna walk through the backstage area. Left foot, right foot. His, his glasses look stupid. One of those deals. It reminded me of Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> that's, that's, that's even better. When Wait, t- I was hoping so, that, that Todd Pettigrew will go all over Thompson and go, what Jeff Jarrett didn't know was he was about to die today. And Jarrett turns around like, what? <laughs> What Jeff Jarrett didn't know is that no matter how, how many world tells he put on himself in his own company, no one was going to watch. <laughs> what? <laughs> He'll never draw a dime. <laughs> he, th- he thought pinning Monty Brown was the right idea for business, but he was very wrong. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. 
But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Bret Hart versus Jeff Jarrett. Here we go. This was a, this was a very interesting match. Not... Now I know, Jen. I know what you're thinking. The Shatner parts, which okay, they were entertaining, but there's but there's more to it than that here that I want to point out. So we start we start to match. Shatner looks at Brett and makes the throat slash gesture. <laughs> Jesus, Shatner's a violent man. <laughs> like Shatner's like the girlfriend and the water boy holding the sign. Do you want me to kill him? <laughs> Brick gives his shades of his, his kid in a leather jacket, and Vince cannot shoehorn in. That's what the WF is all about, right there. He loves it. The, the idea that, that some kid is happy being at a wrestling show <laughs> is it's, it's, it's had a more force than it would have been in 1988. But it's that thing of every time Vince gets the chance, he'll just like he'll just scream from the rooftops about how big the company feels every chance he gets. Uh-huh. Shatner yells to Brett, throw him out of the ring, come on, which Bill Watts would not approve of. No, that would have been a DQ. Well, was over the top rope, especially. Now, here's where the match was interesting to me. We see Brett showing a maniacal heel edge, raking Jared's eyes across the top rope. He's just in a violent and not-so-sportsmanlike mood this week. And I know why. Based on his memoirs, Vince was afraid. Well, this is Brett's memoirs. Vince was afraid that the fans were going to boo Diesel at the Rumble because Brett's such a big baby face. So Brett intentionally started working a bit heelish to create the heat so that Diesel can 
could actually build sympathy against a smaller opponent. So, so Brett's using this match to kind of work out some of the heel kinks. So that's why there is that edge to it. Yes, that's why Brett is doing this. Ah. They're using part part of it as as Brett still wound up from what happened in Survivor Series because Owen screwed him over, manipulated his parents, their parents. And Brett's still full of piss and vinegar and, wanted, and wants to hurt everybody, so he's taking his aggression out on Jared this week. And we get to the Rumble, he'll still have that chip on his shoulder as he tries to bring Diesel down. And he'll, he'll resort to some uh, overtly aggressive tactics to make sure that Diesel is the babyface in the match. De facto. Well, that's very Bret Hart, isn't it? Bret Hart was always very giving like that. Oh, absolutely. Bret has never been selfish in the ring, except for that one time when, uh, according to Diesel, when he won't go for the power bomb a year later, and that led to Diesel leaving the company, but, you know, that's whatever. Allegedly. He just didn't want to go up for the power bomb. Well, because Bret, Bret felt he looked weak at the, at, at the 96 Rumble, and didn't want to look weak two shows in a row because he he was the defending world champion come WrestleMania, so he was trying to find a compromise, and it was very hard. They were kind of painted into a corner, and Diesel got upset. I didn't, I wasn't but aware it, of that. I wasn't aware that there was that little issue. I guess we'll talk about that next year when we the, get closer. I shall remember. <laughs> so, so yeah, Brett's showing his heel's edge. Finn says Shatner's only there to keep Rody in check, and the plug tag war. We can't forget tag war. So Brett is dominating this match. He's working the arm. Jared tries to slam him. Brett holds onto the arm bar, spins him over into it. It's a really good match so far. A lot of moves. We get some Jeff Jarrett ass on a sunset flip attempt. And Brett starts going to the moves of Doom, but Jarrett reaches the eyes and blocked a sharpshooter. We get the painful-looking spot where Brett does like a cross-body attempt. Jared moves away, and Brett kind of flies crotch first into the, into the ropes. That's painful to watch. Jared gets the figure four. Brett's struggling to get to the ropes. William Shatner pushes the rope in so Brett can grab it. Yay! Shatner already being an ass. And Brett would so Brett would have lost if not for William Shatner. Let's all remember that, that Brett would have fallen to the mighty Jeff Jarrett had the star and writer of Tech War not been present. Hmm. Well, Shatner's the WF company man. He can't go to AEW because of uh, the, the boss's last name. <laughs> oh, yes. AEW <laughs> <laughs> has signed Miro. <laughs> Although, now you said that, I now want to see William Shatner doing a bit in AEW. Just so we could get Shatner in the ring as Tony Khan comes out and just goes, Khan! Does that mean Shatner can be... I mean, wait. Does that mean John Silver can be Spock? I don't see why not. Well, yeah, I mean, just have Bradley abuse him some more for, for having pointy years. There you go. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Shatner versus Khan. We could do this, I think. I think we should. So, Jer- <laughs> so after, after Shatner saves Brett's ass, Jared gets the reverse cradle. Brett counters the win. It was a very good match for what it was. A very good match. I mean, it's Brett and Jared. I mean, how could it suck? So after, But that's not why we're here, Tom. We're here for the post-match. 
We flipping well are. And you know what? Oh, describe it. We'll talk about it after. Okay, so f- from my notes here, Rhodey gets into the ring. Shatner's in the ring also. Shatner nails the Rhodey with a forearm smash. I think, it, but only like in the academic sense. That was basically a, an, uh, what's the word? An embryotic Superman punch. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. <laughs> The stupid man punch. <laughs> the stupid man punch. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of that one. So then, Rhodey is not happy about about being um, love tapped there. So he goes to the top rope and throws a flying nothing at nothing as Shatter just sidesteps. <laughs> As though he's Samoa Joe. See, Samoa, Joe stole, <laughs> Samoa Joe stole the note from Shatner. <laughs> oh, so Roman got the the Superman punch from Shatner. Joe stole the nope. <laughs> so then Shatner picks Rhodey up by the... He didn't really have dreads yet, did he? I don't think he did. He just grabbed him by the back of the head. And starts kind of smashing his head into the buckle. <laughs> but the, time, the timing is so off. It, 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 like he's singing. <laughs> so, 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 so it's basically just Brian James smashing his own face in the turnbuckle ball. Shatner kind of jerks his arm back and forth in, in, in an attempt to find the synchronicity with uh, James's head. It was a bit like Shatner was buffering, <laughs> as Rody needed buffering for hurting his own head. <laughs> it's a bit like one of those confrontations that you might have, like playing Fortnite online, where but somebody has got a slower internet <laughs> connection than you. <laughs> it was like a frozen FaceTime. <laughs> I think a wrestling match so then, over Zoom would have had a little bit better synchronicity than this moment. Probably. So the coup de gras or the coup disgrace of he this did a coup de gras? <laughs> Whoa! No, no. <laughs> Finn Shatner. Picture Demon Shatner. <laughs> He's covered in bipedis and says, watch Tech War. (laughs) (laughs) John? (laughs) Yes, we want Demon Shatner. (laughs) 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 Shatner with a coup de gras, what a dream. (laughs) Well, that's not, unfortunately, that's not how it ended, because that would have been amazing. That was Shatner's mega move on the Raw video game. <laughs> but anyway, Shatner has to throw Rhodey over the top rope to kind of uh, bring this thing to an end. Now, usually you would just grab the guy by the back of the head. As Shatner just had Rhodey moments ago and run into the ropes and the guy takes his own bump, usually. No, Shatner holds Rhodey by the arm as if he's showing him a trick somehow or helping him stretch his arm. Shambles toward the ropes, and Rhodey has to kind of throw himself over the ropes while Shatner was holding his elbow. It was weird looking. Yeah, that was a bit, again a bit out of sync uh, between these two. Very dodgy, as your sort would say. Yes, dodgy is the way. And that is the end of William Shatner's involvement with WWF until 20, 15 years later when he sings some theme songs for everybody, including Ray Mysterio's. Oh, God, he did, didn't he? Booyaka, booyaka. 
619. No, he didn't say 619, sadly. That'd have been funny. That'd have been amazing if he did. You know what? Okay. We've ragged on Shatner quite a bit for that. Um, mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed it. And in a weird, perverted way, I quite enjoyed it. I thought Shatner was That's funny. He, he, he didn't hold back with what he was doing. He seemed to throw himself into it for good or for, for better or for worse. He certainly threw himself into it. As far as celebrity involvement goes, I've seen better, but I've seen way worse. Yes. And we've seen enough, unfortunately, we've seen enough raw guest post episodes where a celebrity can't be asked to even care. Shatner may not have cared about wrestling. I don't know if he did or not. He might not have, but he was a professional. He came off as someone who embraced what he was doing. And even though he wasn't perfect at it by any means, we saw some flubs in there. He still tried. He gave it his all. He didn't look ashamed to be there. He didn't look like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world. He looked like he was happy to be there. He was a professional, and that's all you can really ask if you're going to involve a celebrity. Maybe you get lucky and you get someone like Stephen Amell, who's a big fan, or Pat McAfee, or even someone like Lawrence Taylor, who we'll see very soon is a has the athletic aptitude for it. But, I mean, th- those are rare. Shatner, no athlete by any means, especially at this, point, at this stage of his life. But he did his best, and that's all you could ask for. Exactly. We get the rare Diesel Slim Jim ad. Get used to it, because it ain't going to last long. Well, that was it. I'm surprised. I don't even remember it. It just shows how long I'm... it actually lasted. I enjoyed his Savage impression in the sign-off for the video. It very much felt like he was channeling Savage. He was lifting weights, and at one point he has to hold the weight with one arm because he's strong and reach across and get a Slim Jim. But here's the thing. Kevin Nash is a human being. He lifts up the weight with one arm, and then just before the camera cuts away, you can see the weight coming down on the one side. And I got the impression the moment that cut was just the weight hit the ground. But we caught it just before they did. It's kind of a microcosm for how things are at this point. It's not quite what it once was. (laughs) But gosh, they're trying to make it look so. Yeah, they're doing all they can, but it's you see the strings and you see the holes. We get tag title tournament footage. We see Bigelow Tatanka beating the head shrinkers. (laughs) <laughs> the best the best part of this footage it's 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 Bigelow and Tonka versus the new head shrinkers of Fatu and Sioni the shrinkers are about to win this match when Tatanka starts beating up Afa on the outside and when I say beating up Afa I mean he's striking him from behind while Afa just stands there and looks mildly annoyed <laughs> <laughs> like Afa barely registered to anything larger than a, than a herd of gnats is biting his back. Was that just him just like, I just can't be bothered to play along today? Or was that just <laughs> him at full speed thinking he was playing along today? I don't know, but it made me laugh. It was funny. <laughs> I think that was the real highlight of this show. <laughs> Something happened on Saturday. So that's enough creates a distraction finish in the Tonka Pensioni. I'm sorry, was it Bandit? I, I can't remember now because it's been a while since I've seen this show. I'm sure it's a Tonka Pensioni. It was. So I guess I'm guessing Bam Bam must have been the one who was hitting Alpha with something that Alpha barely registered. Meanwhile, there's, we see the match where Kid and Holly beat the bodies originally. It would have been good to see this before the opening match, I think. You know, instead of playing it later in the show, where uh, 
Kid pins Pritchard after a, a, a after a reverse cradle. It was a double reverse cradle spot where first Pritchard was on top, then Kid ended up on top, and Kid wins the match. Him and Holly go to the finals, as we've already established. Speaking of Bigelow and Tatanka, we have the entire million dollar corporation on King's Court, and what a group it is! Oh, what a killer's row! Isn't it funny, right? Of all the things that are still happening on Raw, all these years later. You would never have called King's Court to be the thing. Because we had a brand new King's Court on Raw this past week. Uh, and I saw yep. this one, I thought, how, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, so, and here instead of the Hurt business, we have the Hurt because we're almost out of business. <laughs> the Hurt crap business. <laughs> the, the bad business. <laughs> um, it, it's not an impressive stable at all, but... It's a, it's a group plus two druids, which for all we know are like Paris and Briscoe. <laughs> I'd hope so. So DiBiase is putting his corporation's chances over in all their matches at the Rumble. He talks about the IRS taker match. He's, he said he gets off the good line. The only thing dead that I like are dead presidents. That's a gra- I wrote that line down. That's <laughs> a great line. And I mean, that's definitely a DiBiase uh, appropriate line. So he puts over Iris' chances versus Taker. Spoiler, it, it, it didn't go so well. We go to the tag title tournament final. Lawler calls him Hit the Wall Holly and 911 Kid, which are kind of funny names, I'm not going to lie. They are good funny names. This is when Lawler was on his game. And then we get this random mention that the winners of the tournament, whoever they may be, will face the smoking guns next week on Raw because the guns had to pull out of the tournament because of the alleged radio injury to one of them. Um, yeah, uh, I remember them pulling out of the tournament. Um, so I guess it makes, I guess in storyline line, storyline land, it makes sense to give them a shot if they were unable I mean, to be in the tournament. I mean, it does, but it seems weird that DiBiase is the one making the announcement here. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, but then you could argue that because they're like. Because the idea is that they're in the know and they're on the inside and they pay people off left, right and centre. Ted DiBiase could have just gone, well, I bought, I found some information. I paid one of my uh, my insiders, my sources. And, uh, and they told me this was what was happening. You know who, um, who DiBiase's source is? Is it well, Sean I mean, Ross Sapp? Um, is it Sean Ross Sapp? It's, pre- it's, uh, it's pretty obvious. Oh! Um, 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 I think that based on, you know, the local advertisements already said it's going to be, uh, it's going to be the Guns versus Kid and Holly. I mean, that's that's already well known because you know they're flying Lawrence Taylor into a, uh, into you know, um, into uh, you know, um, um, Tampa, <laughs> and and that's where yeah they're going to do the angle with Bigelow Taylor. They're actually going with this WrestleMania. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's it's not like. When they brought Ali down to the Mid South in order to, um, you remember Brian when he they had him on that he he punched Jake Roberts and uh, I mean it didn't lead to anything, which is why you know Jake, which is why Jake no sold it because he he said I have to be here next week and he doesn't. I mean it's it's kind of like that. I mean I don't know why you would sacrifice Bickle like that. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> 
That's fine, <laughs> Mister. That's all well and good, Mister Belter. But what pizza do you want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, you wacky boy. <laughs> So we're about to use in the box as Meltzer speeds off. <laughs> Top marks to Meltzer, who yesterday uh, talked for 15 minutes about why Harold Mage was sacked from New Japan. Only at the end of it for us to realise, actually, you don't know. <laughs> but you talked for 15 minutes about something. He's like a snake oh, charmer. <laughs> <laughs> was it you doing the news and then... And you were listening to taking notes, and then you, and you realize you've been had. <laughs> I think that might have been what it was. <laughs> why does Tom listen to Mel? They're like, oh, okay. That's why I keep getting drawn in. It's them eyes. He's like Geary. <laughs> it's those damn eyes. <laughs> that damn smile. <laughs> That's a good meme. <laughs> <laughs> so. I want Dave Meltzer to do a Twitch stream where he just does an inventory of all the tins in his cupboard. Is that too much <laughs> to ask? <laughs> how about him playing? How about him playing pong while he tells us about the um, about the significance of? But <laughs> how they brought Leon Spinks to FMW? And, <laughs> and and how indirectly inspired the Evolution pay per view. I want, I want a Twitch stream. <laughs> Dave Belzer describing the the backstage politics of world class championship wrestling through the late seventies, whilst playing well, Manic Minor. <laughs> well, the thing is, Fritz had all these kids and. I want Belzer. I want Belzer. To describing everyone that Vern Garnier trained whilst playing Fantastic Dizzy on the Genesis. <laughs> I mean, of course, you have Ken Patera as part of that group, uh, uh, Rick Steamboat. Pick up the um, axe, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. I know, but you're missing. You've got to get the axe to knock the wall down, otherwise Dizzy gets stuck. No, no, axe is master superstar, and Vern didn't train Dave, him. Dave, will you concentrate on the game, man? <laughs> Well, it's not that all about the game, stream. is it? I, I, I rock that. Wait, is it all about the game? No, no it's... Is, <laughs> well, it, it, you know? No, it's actually... No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. I, I wouldn't. Um, Forget so this. Where were I'm going oh, yes. to go to the other Twitch channel and watch Brian Alvarez <laughs> sort his dishwasher out and cry. <laughs> Minus five loads! <laughs> I put it. I, I stacked all the, the. I stacked it all badly. Now I have minus five plates. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to this uh, informative what segment. What journalists will do on Twitch instead? <laughs> <laughs> DBS calls Bundy the odds on favorite to win the rumble because he's big, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah. Moving on. Bundy's Bundy's the hot pick for Million Dollar Corporation. I just, I was expecting Ted to have a little bit of a meltdown because he's like, oh, what a great night the Rumble's going to be. IRS is going to beat The Undertaker. <laughs> Bigelow and Tatanka are fighting. Bundy's in the room. Whoa, what a mess. Look at the state of this. I'm meant to be a businessman and this is the best I've thought. 
It's like when you play Madden and you're like 85 million or for the salary cap, and you realize yeah, like like 25 roster spots to fill. <laughs> you just pop in. You just hit reset and start a new game. <laughs> but it's real life, so you can't. He is the equivalent of when I used to play FIFA Road to World Cup '98, and the one time <laughs> I did a season mode, and I couldn't afford Ronaldo. <laughs> As he was too expensive and I didn't have the budget. So I bought a player called Redondo because he sounded similar and he was like 30 grand cheaper. <laughs> You're saying you went to the 33 cent store and got some ranch cola? Basically, that's what I did. <laughs> Thinking it would, and then being annoyed that he was a crap player. I don't understand. He should be good. Are you saying Redondo was the Corporal Kirshner of the Ronaldo Sergeant Slaughter? Redondo was the everybody of the Million Dollar Corporation. <laughs> the CV Affy to his Jimmy Snooker. Oh, nice. That's a nice, that's a lovely, that is a kind of niche reference that you'll only get on this podcast. There are many others that will imitate, but none will ever duplicate. Especially CV Affy. No. <laughs> We go to the, our alleged main event of Mabel versus Lee Tobin. Alleged main event. <laughs> As we get some Kevin Dunn cam in and out, in and out, in and out. Oh, it's even worse at the end. Oh, yeah, this thing was just like seizure inducing. If you complain about Kevin Dunn in 2020, watch this match and see the, 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 the cuts back and forth. With Mabel's entrance, like literally every every half a nanosecond, cut to a different camera. Oh yeah, it's uh, trying to create this rap video atmosphere, but they have no idea what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they really don't. As Vince dates the show further by mentioning MTV Rock and Jock, <laughs> which, which which actually made me happy to hear because I'd forgotten all about that. What was MTV Rock and Jock? They were sporting events that featured like. You know, um, artists, celebrities, athletes. There was like a baseball game, basketball game, but like, like the rules were like modified to make it like more sporting for everyone. They were just like charity events, really. Right with you. And Diesel got involved with that, so they're trying to say like, hey, he's mainstream because he's here with um, John Stewart, who had a talk show back then and the pre Daily Show. It's like, uh, <laughs> we're hearing John Stewart get mentioned on Raw in '95. Now he'd be on the show many years later. Yeah, he hadn't even taken his final form yet. Oh. This was just humble talk show host John Stewart. This is this is, this is pre-Daily Show period, before Craig Kilborn even became the first host. Oh, man. That really dates that, it. That, that's, oh, yeah. So Vince drowns out Oscar's rap with a bunch of that media stuff for Diesel because Oscar's not important, apparently. And in two months, he really wouldn't be. I will say, Tobin has a great permafro. That is a magnificent 1995 hairstyle. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's, it was 10 years out of date even then, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. So Mabel shows off his wares during this match. Big suplex. Gets that awesome spinning heel kick that he does. He gets a leaping clothesline at one point. And what I mean by that is it looks like like he he got enough height where it appeared like he was like Toba's going to rock bottom him, but Mabel just came down on top of him. Yeah, I wasn't sure he was taking that move there. <laughs> it, it, it was like Toby was going for the downward spiral or the flatliner or whatever. But, well, he got flattened either way. And Mabel finishes with a big leg drop. 
because somebody in this company has to use that since they're getting a main event push. Exactly. And then we get a post-match interview with Mabel. And Mabel talks about his chances of winning the Rumble. Sean takes exception to him thinking he's going to win. Out comes Bundy to argue. Bundy and Mabel are face-to-face with Sean in between them, and Sean looks very irked. I quite like Mabel's promo here. I thought it was fiery and simple. Yeah, Mabel was not a bad promo at all. Like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. Mabel wants to fight right now, gets in the ring. Bundy's in no hurry because he's a cowardly heel, even though he's a monster. I thought the best part was just Sean sandwiched between them while while making, like, annoyed faces. Like, all right, guys, can one of you back up so I can get the hell out of here? Yeah, he was was caught between two lovers there, and I think that he wanted to be far away from, from that void as possible. In between a rock and a hard place, as they say. <laughs> so we get we get our last ditch pitch for the rumble, and this is the commercial we get. We see Diesel on a beach. He's playing one arm tug of war with like a bunch of guys. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> Pam walks by looking beautiful as usual. Then we all had a one arm took a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so so <Yeah>. Diesel <laughs> um, Diesel smiles at her as he thoroughly um, beats the opposition. I thought you said opposition. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna survive this segment? No. <laughs> so Diesel walks in next. <laughs> so after Diesel gives a gives a good tug and succeeds, <laughs> and looks far happier for it. <laughs> <laughs> so Pam keeps walking down the beach, and, and we see for some reason Lex Luger spotting for Adam Bomb on a weight bench. Again, again, not you. <laughs> 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 so Luger is so smitten with Pam walking by that he lets the he, he, he lets the bar drop across Bomb's chest. Apparently Bomb is killed. Oh Bomb is dead. Bomb did not survive. No. Oh. Pam keeps walking Pam keeps on walking. Here come the bushwhackers. Not a euphemism. <laughs> as they march in, as they march into a volleyball net. Not a euphemism. Because we're so distracted by Pam's beauty, you see. I get it, I get it. I get that all the time when I see a beautiful woman. I always walk into volleyball nets. Yeah. Even when you're like in places that don't aren't ever volleyball, yeah, like I was at a city bus stop. streets and uh <laughs> and art galleries and I don't know, the unemployment office. Volleyball shops. <laughs> no need. Well no, they don't have volleyball nets at volleyball shops. Exactly. <laughs> I was backing up your opinion. <laughs> And we see Sean being fallen over by a bunch of girls, or actually a couple girls. He sees Pam, and he and he leaves his two women behind because Pam is Pam. Mm-hmm. So now everyone is fawning over Pam because she's the star of the show, not them. You see the problem here, Tom? I certainly do. Pam, if I was coming into wrestling cold, I would have assumed that Pamela Anderson is about to win the Royal Rumble. She's Beyonce and they're the backup dancers. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's it, a, This is like the Shatner thing at the beginning, though. How, like, Shatner mm-hmm. came... The Shatner's like, well, I'm the star here. And the wrestlers are all the, the second fiddles. Like, if it was Bret Hart appearing on Tech War, then yeah. 
But it's not. It's these guys being in the WWF playground, and it immediately shrinks them. Mm. Although, although in the end, we see who the stars really are. As Luke and Butch march off with her, I'm sure she was thrilled to do that part. I'm sure that was the highlight for her. Oh, this is the highlight for 95 right here. <laughs> so that 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 is your last ditch plug for the Rumble. Is Pam being accosted by all these all these wrestlers who think, think she's the hottest thing walking, and the Bushwhackers abscond with her? I can't wait to get this show. Oh, it's gonna be a thing. So next week, with the Smoking Guns, will face the new champions, whoever they may be. The Rumble winner will also be appearing, so Dick Murdoch will be on next week. Thank God. <laughs> yes. So then the sign-off bug appears on the screen with. A minute 30 left in the show. I'm like, wait, what's... There's like a tech war trailer coming on after this. I, I didn't know what it was going to be. And then I realized it's a Diesel video. Just to hype him up even more. As we get the alternate version of his Roseanne theme for <laughs> background music. <laughs> it, just, it just reeks of filler as we see Diesel highlights and putting him over strong. Because apparently his his uh, promotional push so far has not been very... Uh, very uh very powerful it's weird because i feel like they've pushed him quite a bit but i guess you know they're just going to keep driving it and driving it and it's, it, it, it's not taking it seems so far maybe perhaps some of the house show numbers have not been strong and they're getting a little bit of a, a bit skittish about how effective or ineffective diesel has been to this point well, they won't change their mind completely because we are at the beginning of a very long run with Diesel as the man. Yeah, they are determined to make him the new Hogan. And What are you eating? Nothing. I'm just unscrewing a pen lid. My apologies. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like you're eating a carrot stick. <laughs> which, which, if you are great, carrots are good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just a full minute and a half video of harmonica is it reminds you of the Connors sitting around the dinner table <laughs> it's great music and that's it that's that is your go home for the rumble wow that is where we're at well i'm ready for the rumble i'm here to rumble royal rumble 1995 is next in our sights um it'll be myself it'll be justin henry and it'll be matthew gregg getting together from the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review, where we are going to watch the Royal Rumble in its entirety. That is right. We are coming thick and fast with watch-alongs here on the Classic Review Podcast. And we have another one next. Ah, oh, mate, I am I think this might be the first time in my life I have watched the entire Royal Rumble 95 pay-per-view all the way through. Well, I will, uh, I will say this much, and we'll see if I'm proven wrong in a week's time. I actually like this show a lot. Okay. This show might be the biggest overachiever in, w- in WWFE history. In terms of, I was not interested in it. The hype has been awful. It's a crappy roster. But they pulled it off. Perhaps Mania 31, given the awful hype for that show. Sting, Hunter, Lesnar, Reigns, all that stuff. And then they just turn people off. And end up being a great show. Maybe, maybe that's the biggest overachiever ever. In terms of ratio of hype to output, this has to be up there, though. 
it's it's not it's it's near that level of disparity i would say well we will all find out together with a classic watch along this time next week on the Cultaholic Podcast feed, you don't have to do anything differently. Uh, you just download it as you normally would, and we will see you for next week. And until we get to next week, he is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic. Don't forget to join us. Oh, my God, I forgot William Shatner did a cover of Cult Common People by Pulp. I forgot that was a thing. I forgot that was sure a did. thing as well. What a day. What a day. Lovely. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 